0: Father, as we look at your word, I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, we would truly be compelled to see the beauty and the, and the miracle and the grace of the resurrection of your son. Thank you, Lord, for your word and the hope that we have today. I pray that we would simply be amazed as we reflect on what it means that Jesus Christ is risen from the grave. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you got your Bibles this morning, if you'd open up to Romans chapter five. Romans chapter five. This morning I've entitled this message, Resurrection Blessings to Those Who Are in Christ Jesus. Resurrection Blessings to Those Who Are in Christ Jesus. We're gonna start there in verse one of Romans five and just read all five verses. Paul says, therefore, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I really believe this morning we're going to be looking at two Easter blessings. Two Easter blessings. You may be thinking, wait a minute, this is a passage dealing with the death of Jesus Christ and dealing with justification by faith. How does this relate to the Resurrection of Jesus. Well, I'm glad you asked. It's, it relates in so many powerful ways. I, I want you to back up a little bit with me. Um, the first blessing we're going to look at today two blessings. It's going to be simple. The first blessing is going to be peace, the second blessing is going to be joy. Peace and joy that are abundantly ours in Christ Jesus because of the resurrected Christ. Peace and joy. Abundantly ours. In verse one of chapter five, Paul says, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, therefore, you look at you see a therefore, you look and see what it's there for. And and we're gonna look back in chapter four in a second. But again, you know, this idea, what does it mean to be justified by faith? Since we have been declared in right standing with God the Father because of the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ, because he is the one who's good. Our account is is wicked. Our account is sinful. But by grace through faith, when we trust in Jesus, our account that has no hope, his goodness, his righteousness is credited to our account. And because of that transaction, when God the Father looks at us, he sees the goodness and the righteousness of Jesus. Therefore, we are justified. We are declared to be in right standing with God through the grace of Jesus Christ. What's exciting about this, and before we unpack the idea of the peaceful blessings that we have, go back a few verses. In Romans four twenty three. It says, but the words that was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also, it will be counted to us. Now, notice what he says right here. Who believe in him, who raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord. Verse 25, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Today, the only hope that we can have right standing with God the Father through Jesus Christ is not only through the crucifixion of Christ on the cross, but it's through its essential, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Tommy read earlier the passage out of 1 Corinthians 15. I want you to see today that all the blessings that we have in Jesus Christ would be forfeited, would be gone apart from the resurrected Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ was proof. It was absolute fulfillment that the Father accepted the Son's sacrifice that Jesus's sacrifice was sufficient for our sins. His resurrection was the absolute clarity on the subject. I, I told you years ago, I, I had a, uh, an old vehicle, had a, a Yukon and, and I sold that car in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I found a guy that wanted to buy it. And I always get into weird situations when I'm selling something. And, uh, he was a nice guy, but we got to the, uh, he wanted to meet me at like six in the morning, and uh, we met up. He was from Michigan. He wanted to buy it. He liked it, and he gave me a check, and, and I was nervous because I wasn't positive the check was going to clear, and he's like, look, man, I've got to get on the road. I got to drive hour upon hour to get back to Michigan, and I'm sitting there thinking, man, this is not good. I'm going to have this guy's check, and I have no clue whether or not the check is going to clear You ever been in that situation before? Probably when I give you checks, right? (laughs) But you know what? I waited with great anticipation to see the reality that that guy's check was cleared in the bank account. You see, when Jesus Christ gave up his life on the cross, the ultimate reality of the sufficiency of his sacrifice was when he came out of the tomb it was proof that the check cleared. It was proof that the sacrifice was sufficient. It was proof that those who by grace through faith put their faith in Christ, they could be declared in right standing because the sacrifice was completed. When we look at this, we see this peace, and I want you to, to, I pray, see that this is resurrection peace. You can't have peace like this apart from a living Christ. It's impossible apart from a living Christ. But we jump in here, and and what we see that Paul does, he says, since we've been justified by faith. And then he moves into the reality that this peace that we have is with God. And, And this is phenomenal. We'll see in a moment that apart from this peace, apart from this reconciliation, we stand condemned, and we face the wrath of God. The wrath of God comes down against sinners who suppressed the truth in ungodliness. We face God, and he is our judge. But here's what's remarkable. Because Christ is risen from the dead, those who place their trust in him can be assured of peace with God. And then he tells us, through Jesus Christ. You may be thinking, how in the world and why in the world do I keep hearing Christians talk about that the only way to God is through Jesus? That sounds sort of narrow, you might be thinking, but I want you to reflect on something. The reason why is, is like we looked at last week, Jesus is the sinless substitute, and he alone is capable of bringing salvation. He alone is capable of being our great high priest. John 14 says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It says in Acts chapter 4, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. But keep going with this idea. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This peace, it's the picture of reconciliation. It's the picture that now I'm no longer at enmity with God. That now I am a friend of God because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done on my behalf. The relationship has changed. But there's two different types of peace in the Bible. And and, and, and the phenomenal part of that is that the resurrection of Christ makes both possible. One is peace with God. The other one is the peace of God, the peace of Christ. It's the reality that one is positional. One is not based on any conditions. I'm at peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. His resurrection was vindication. It proved that the ultimate sacrifice was final, that it was sufficient, but here's what it means. It means that this peace is not wavering. It's a positional peace. I have peace with God. It's not based on how I performed last night. It's not based on how I did this morning. It's a reality that God has written in stone because of what Christ has accomplished for me. I don't know about you, but I have a lot of ups and downs in my life. I have a lot of situations that, by the grace of God, I follow Him, and by other situations, I find myself stumbling. But be encouraged, the positional peace that we experience through the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection by grace through faith, this is not a wavering peace. This is not a conditional peace. This is a peace that we have set in stone, that God the Father looks at us and sees the righteousness of his Son. And that is brought to us through the hope of the resurrection. The peace of God is something that I can walk in daily. It becomes conditional. My salvation's not in any jeopardy. But every day because of the resurrection of Christ, I'm either walking in it or not walking in it. It's available to me in Christ Jesus. But this is a continuous peace. It's positionally continual. It's in the present tense. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we continuously have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's ongoing. It's ongoing. It's not something people can take away from me. It's not something that I can lose. It's not something that is jeopardized by my failure. It's not something jeopardized by a bad day. But the ramifications of the peace that the resurrection brings us, we see in verse nine and 10. Glance down in chapter five and verse nine. He says, since therefore we now have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from what? The wrath of God. I pray this morning that everybody in this room has confidence that the blood of Jesus Christ has forgiven your sin. That can only be experienced by grace through faith. But I pray you to understand. I pray you to understand that here is the reality. You're either in a position of peace or you're in a position of facing the wrath of God. The wrath of God ultimately works itself out in an eternal hell of torment to unbelievers, of those that face an eternal judgment of the consequence of their treasonous acts towards a holy God. But the beauty of the resurrection is that we have peace, a peace that saves us from the wrath of God. And he goes on and he speaks not only of this peace that is saving us and reconciling us, He speaks about how much more shall we be saved by his life in verse 10. I love this. This speaks of resurrection life. This is what he's speaking of. He says, for while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. We have access by faith by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, access. We've been introduced into this. It, 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 it speaks about we've obtained access. What does that mean? It means that we've been brought into a situation where now we can boldly come before God the Father through Jesus Christ. I've told you before about one of my favorite experiences as a teenager, Is, uh, and I thought about it recently because of March Madness. But one of my favorite memories with my dad is we would go to the NCAA basketball tournament. And a lot of times, we'd try to go to the first round in Atlanta. And we had some great memories. And and one year, there was a gentleman in our church, Randy Rader. Randy had connections in business. And one of his connections was with the Hilton in Atlanta, downtown Atlanta. And And we were excited. We were going down there. And it's, it's the greatest thing ever. You know, you watch... What is there to do that's better than watch four basketball games and eat all day? It's amazing. And uh, we got to Atlanta, and, and, and Randy had worked it out where we were staying in the Hilton Towers. There's a Hilton, but there's the Hilton Towers. The Towers are on floor 27, 28, 29, and 30. And, and, and I, I, we got there, and they gave us all the credentials to show that we had access to the Towers. And the Towers were a whole different way of living. The Towers had a buffet. Now, think about that. Me, me and my uh, childhood best friend, I mean, like, we are having the time of our life. We get up there, and, and everything you want to eat is available. We're staying in a room that was as big as my house. It was huge. We had a living room. We had a side bedroom over here, a side bedroom over here. We had access. And my favorite experience during that time was we would get on that, ho- that elevator in that hotel in the lobby. There'd be all these people on there. And they would ask us which floor, and we would say 27. And they looked at us like we were just a bunch of clowns running around trying to mess around in the hotel. But we had access to that part of the hotel that those other people didn't have. Here Paul says, look, understand the ramifications of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the ramifications of his death for you is that now by his grace, not only have you been brought into a right standing with God through his son, but you now have been brought and obtained access. You have access to the father. I think about this beautiful truth when you think about the the temple and you think about the dividing wall and the Gentile couldn't go where the Jew was and you go through all the Bible and you think about all the barriers you think about the high priest was the only one on the Day of Atonement who could go into the most holy place. The common folk could not go in there. Only one person represented the nation that had the ability to walk into that place. But now through the blood of Jesus Christ, the barriers have fallen. Now we have access that we can enter with confidence and boldness through the blood of Jesus Christ. We have access. This When he says obtained access... It's in a tense that that I pray would excite you. It's in a tense that means an action in the past with continuous results. We have come into access to God, and it was brought to us through the sacrifice of his son. It was absolutely shown to be perfect through his resurrection And by grace through faith, we came into this, but now we continuously have access. I was in the car the other day with one of my kids, and we were talking, and and they asked me, they said, Dad, why do some people believe you can lose your salvation? And one of the things that hit me was, is like, you know, I firmly believe the reason why some people believe this is they don't understand the depths and the miracle of all that salvation entails. They understand it at a surface level, but they don't understand the miracle of God's grace and what he's done. We've been justified by faith through the Lord Jesus Christ. We've obtained access. We've been given introduction into this new fellowship with him. This is so exciting because without the resurrection, there's no access Without the resurrection, there's no access. You remember in Hebrews four fourteen. since then we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. And then he says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You may be here today, and as you come, most of us, when we come to special days on the calendar at church, by the grace of God, sometimes we have more spiritual thoughts about what it means to be a Christian. And you might be with us today, and you're wondering, you know, how do I know that I can be saved? I want to encourage you. The only way you can have confidence that you're saved is by grace through faith, depending on Jesus Christ and not yourself. And the beauty of this is that the promise that God gives is that those who depend on his son by grace through faith, they've obtained access. They've obtained access. He accomplished this. His high priesthood, after he died, after he rose again, he ascended into heaven, and was exalted sitting at the right hand of God the Father. He fulfilled every condition. He made it possible. And then he says, into this grace. This is still all about peace. We've obtained access by faith into this grace. Into this grace. You remember in Colossians, Paul says, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. I was thinking about what... It says in John chapter one, it says, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth. And, and this grace is it's the disposition of God towards us. He, he loves us. He looks towards us. It's coupled with peace. It's interesting because you can see how this grace is connected with peace. You know, have you ever read in the epistles and how common the greeting is grace and peace to you? Grace and peace to you. It's it's a place of, of favor towards God. And you think, how in the world? A lot of people mistakenly think that they can earn that favor by trying harder. They can try to be a better person. But the problem is the wages of sin is death. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What do we need? We need a sinless savior, a sinless substitute. We need one to work on our behalf that by grace through faith, we might be declared in right standing with the father through his work, not our own. But that gives us access. Now we're no longer an enemy of God. We're in a position of grace to God. He loves us. He's committed to us. He's faithful to us. He's brought peace, unmerited favor, enabling power in our life. And then he says something else. He says, in which we stand. And there's that tense again. It's the perfect tense. It means an action in the past with continuous results. Do you realize this morning, if you're a believer through the power of the resurrection, not only did you come into the right standing with God at salvation, you're still there. You're still there. Why? Because of the work of Jesus Christ. His perfect sacrifice secures your standing before him. There's no longer fear. Justification has brought us into a whole different reality. You see, without the resurrection, as we close out looking at this first blessing, there is no peace. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised in 1 Corinthians 15, 14, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. And then he says, we are even found to be misrepresenting God. Because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. But then he says, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And then he says, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied, but Christ has been raised. And by grace through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And don't you love it? When Jesus appeared after his resurrection to the disciples on the evening of that day, John 20, 19, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Friend, there's resurrection peace. It's impossible apart from the resurrection. But the second blessing is joy. Joy, look what he says. Through him, Romans 5.2, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And then he uses this term that he uses not only in verse two, but in verse three. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. We rejoice. What does this word mean? It's interesting because it's not just the common word for rejoice. It means exult. We exult. We, We have a joyful confidence There's a joyful confidence that flows from what Christ has done for us. And now, because of the risen Christ, we live not only with peace with God through Jesus, but now we live with a joyful confidence. And why is that? Well, this is rich. A joyful confidence. He explains it here. He says we have this joy, and he describes it. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. What is he speaking of? I was looking this up. It it speaks about, one commentator says, the believer's ultimate destiny is to share in the very glory of God. And that hope will be realized because Christ himself secures it. You see, if Christ has not been raised, We're just religious people looking for a coping mechanism. We're just people making it through life and some people like drinking coffee and some people do yoga and we're just doing religion to try to cope. But that's not the gospel of Christianity. The gospel of Christianity is secure. The gospel of Christianity is that because Christ has been raised, you have peace. Not just a peace that you feel good with, a peace that is verifiable, a peace that is based on the work of Christ, a peace that brings you access, a peace that brings you into this grace, a peace that gives you standing, a peace that is lasting. But now you have joy. You have joy because you have hope of the glory of God, because Christ has been raised You now, he is the first fruits of those who depend on him in their resurrection. And now I live not seeking to find just the most excitement out of this life to make it through my days. But I live rejoicing in hope of the glory of God. I live because of resurrection hope. It gets better and better, grace upon grace. But then he turns around. He says something that might be confusing to all of us. He says, and we rejoice in our sufferings, rejoice in our sufferings. You may be thinking, what? How do we have a boastful confidence? How do we have a boastful exultation? How do we have a confident joy in our sufferings? And you got to ask yourself the question, how does the resurrection of Christ give me joy in suffering? Well, he explains it here. He works it out. I love Romans 8, 17. It says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. It's all built on Jesus's death and resurrection. We rejoice in our sufferings, but then he says something. Sufferings, when we think of suffering, we think about difficulty, we think about trial, we think about pain, we think about all the things that come into our life that are unexpected as we seek to follow Christ. We take joy, we have confidence in our tribulations, but he says knowing something. I love this. The joy that is connected to suffering is because that we know something. The knowledge of what we know changes our perspective of tribulation. And what is that? The word knowing here. Hey, growing up, did you experience this? I used to get in trouble without my mom even knowing what I did. She had like an intuitive knowledge. And, and she, would, she could peg my friends without even spending time with them. I'd be like, I want to go to uh, Jason's house this weekend. And she'd be like, I don't trust Jason. Why? I can't explain it. Moms know things. It's an intuitive knowledge. Do you realize that believers know things? Why? Through the power of the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. And the Holy Spirit works within his people. We'll see in a moment, Romans says that his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And, and, and built within the Christian through the power of the Holy Spirit is the knowledge It's intuitive. There's different types of knowledge in the Greek. This one's speaking about an intuitive knowledge, a perception, an awareness, an understanding that's simply not something those outside of Christ understand. But we have knowledge, and we have knowledge knowing that suffering produces endurance. We believe that because Christ raised from the dead, that God is working through our tribulation and through our pain because we have joy in the glory of God. We have hope and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We believe that God is working things out according to his plan, according to the victory that Christ won for us at the cross and through the tomb. We know this, and it says this suffering produces endurance. You know what endurance is? Endurance is bearing up under, going through a trial and a tribulation that's hard, that your flesh wants to rebel against and wants to be bitter in. The Spirit gives us this grace to endure, to bear up under and trust God in the midst of agony, in the midst of pain. And we trust Him. This suffering produces endurance. It, 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 it It's in a, uh, we continuously joy, take joy in our sufferings because our sufferings are producing endurance and and then he speaks on and he says, and our suffering not only produces endurance, but our endurance does what? Produces character. We have knowledge that there's this, there, there, there's God has he works sanctification. He works progressive growth in the midst of pain. Why? Because Christ has been victorious. Suffering produces endurance, endurance, character, character is the idea of that which god is producing in us it's it's the idea that i read this when christians experience tribulations that demand perseverance that perseverance in turn produces in them proven spiritual character it's just like heat the metal goes through to take the impurities off god is working and he is proving spiritual character he is Genuinely proving our faith in the midst of pain. Character produces hope, he says. We get hope. It's it's as we go through suffering, you may be here today and you're going through trial. The joy in this is as you look to God in, in his strength and not your own and you trust him, God begins to give you the grace to endure. As you endure, God begins to prove your faith genuine. As you see Christ working in you, in your pain and in your weakness, it gives you more hope. I tell you, you know, like you could, I could ask you today, what are some of the biggest trials you've been in your life? And one of the testimonies of the people of God is that even in their weakness in their responses through those trials, they can see how God proved them genuine in their pain. The greatest pain I've ever been through was the loss of my dad, but I've never sensed the nearness of Christ any closer. Why? Because I knew that suffering produced endurance, endurance produced character, and character produces hope. But wait a minute, how does that work apart from the resurrection of the dead? How does that part work apart from the resurrection of Jesus Christ? In order for that to take place in the here and now, we need a living God who's at work within us through the power of his spirit. And that's all forfeited if Christ has not been raised. Character produces hope. He goes on here. He says, in this hope, Does not disappoint. You remember when Paul says, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. And then he says this, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Isn't it interesting that when Paul prays to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, he links it to suffering. and He says the same thing here in Romans 5. And hope does not disappoint. I was reading an old, old, old preacher from the fourth century, and they call him the golden tongue preacher, Chrysostom. And you know what he says here? He says, our hope is sure and unmovable for he who hath made the promises ever liveth. And we that are to be the enjoyers of it, even should we die, shall rise again. And there is absolutely nothing which can put us to shame. Hope does not disappoint, he said. And then what does he say? Because we have the love of God poured out in our hearts. Perfect tense. The love of God has overflowed into our hearts as we became justified by faith. And that's an actual continuous result in the present. Not only did we at one time not stand in this grace, but by the grace of God, we stood in this grace. At one point in time, the love of God did not pour out in our hearts. But by grace through faith, we experienced that. And now it's a continuous state and experience because now we are the children of God. I've come into this new place. I've been declared right. I have peace with God. I have access. I'm standing in this grace. And Christ ministers to me through the power of his spirit This love's been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And now I have a joyful confidence and hope of the glory of God. And God has a purpose. He's working in me, in my suffering, producing endurance, in my endurance, producing character, in my character, producing hope. And this hope does not put me to shame because he's gloriously poured his love out in my heart through the power of the Holy Spirit that he's given me. Amen. That's resurrection realities. This is Christianity 101 made possible through the life of Jesus Christ. A reality only because Christ is alive. A reality of what he does. You remember in Ephesians, Paul says, he says, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. What is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge? Do you realize Paul is saying that as I live this life, not only do I have peace, it's a blessing of Christ. I have joy. And that joy is in hope of the glory of God. That joy is in suffering because I know something about this suffering. I know that God is working through it. And the hope that i ultimately experience is because as I look to him and his resurrection power, he is conveying his love in my heart. And that's why he says to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. A love that not only secures me before him, but a love that he gives me that others can see as i demonstrate demonstrated towards them. So many things. I wish we had more time. This love's further explained in verse 6, 7, and 8. While we were weak, Christ died for the ungodly. One scarcely will die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But here, I want you to, I want to land here. This peace is resurrection. Peace, this joy, this joy is only possible through the resurrection. You remember in John 15? Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And then he says this in verse 11. He tells us we can't experience experience this apart from abiding in him. And then in verse 11, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you. Remember what Jesus said before he went to the cross to his disciples? John 16, verse 20. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. A joy that he would bring through his resurrection. And a resurrection that is so complete that we can live not only in peace, but we can live in joy today. Resurrection, peace. Resurrection, joy. This morning, if you don't know Christ, I want you to see the good news and the hope of Jesus, the blessed cross and resurrection, hope for the hopeless, salvation for the lost, reconciliation for enemies. Turn to Jesus. I was talking to a fellow just in the last couple of days, and I just asked him, I said, man, I said, if you were to die, would you have peace? You'd be with God. And, and this guy's an acquaintance I've seen over the years in, in a local business, and I like him a lot, and we have a mutual fondness for each other. And he looked at me and he says, "Man, I, I don't, I don't know." And I looked at him and I said, "Man, it's it's it, it's through the finished work of Christ. We're declared in right standing with God, not ba- based on what we do and what we try to do. This morning, have you trusted in Christ?" Have you trusted in Jesus as your sinless substitute, or are you this morning depending on your own work? Whose work are you depending on? I pray that you would see that there's joyous hope for those who depend upon Christ. but the Christian this morning, I pray you'd celebrate there's resurrection peace and there's resurrection joy and and and, and some people. They talk about Easter one day of the year, but this resurrection peace and resurrection joy is the reality of life for the Christian. It extends not only on April 9th, but it goes into April 10th. It goes into May 10th. It goes all through the year. Friend, today we see the hope. I don't know about you, but sometimes I lose sight of who I am and what I have in Jesus. You with me? Sometimes I live as if I don't have anything. Sometimes my mind is, is conformed to this world and I lose sight of the reality of what it means to be a Christian. I lose sight of resurrection realities. This morning, join with me in looking at what this peace means for you, what this joy means in your tribulation, what this reality is all about. I pray today we would look to Jesus for our hope. Would you bow your head? Mike's gonna come. And I want you just in a few moments here, I want you just to consider, have I experienced resurrection peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you trusted in him? Have you depended on him? If you haven't, your account is overwhelming. You owe a debt you can't pay. Imagine today owing trillions of dollars to creditors and there's no hope of it being made right. And you're going to take a long, long sentence because of the debt that you owe and you can't pay back. Well, imagine now your account being before a holy God and the wages of sin is death. And the only hope of life is for the free grace that comes through the work of our precious Lord Jesus Christ. He died in our place that we might live.